Welcome to Mama Simpatico, the podcast where I empower busy, stressed, and loving moms like you with tools and strategies for intentionally creating a mom life that feels good and is aligned with who you are. I am your host, Lacey Newton, and here is today's episode. Today, I have a very special guest interview for you. Her name is Ruth Beaglehole, and this conversation was a true gem for me, and I am hoping it will leave you feeling as empowered as it did for me. So for over 50 years, Ruth has been a leading voice in the call to end violence and oppression of younger human beings. As a teacher of parents, caregivers, and professionals in the practice of parenting with nonviolence, She has been a committed advocate in the human rights movement that works to protect all children. Her journey as an educator, mother, grandmother, and activist is rooted in the story of her own childhood and her understanding of early trauma and that all human beings have the capacity to heal. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. Here is Ruth. Ruth, I feel like I've been, I don't know, it's a little bit of a star moment because I've been reading about you on the internet and watched your TED talk. And I'm, I feel so grateful to have this focus time with you and that you're sharing it with me. And so thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I really am interested in hearing your ideas and thoughts about how us parents can start to rethink how we want to show up for our kids and do better, do this parent thing in a way that feels good to our hearts. Yes. I'm from New Zealand originally. I came here at the end of the 60s and was touched by the feminist movement quite deeply. And at that time, there was an anti-war movement. There were intersections of different movements. And growing up pretty isolated in New Zealand, growing up in a sort of My father was a university person growing up in a pretty privileged family, not economically, because university people weren't economically compensated well, but intellectually. And um, things happened to me in my childhood that shouldn't have happened to me. And it was always sort of a contradiction to me. How could I be in this family and these things happening to me? And... When I came to this country, I ended up in this community in Echo Park and Silver Lake, where a lot of the activists who had been active in the free speech movement and the feminist movement, and I began to sort of have a different perspective on my life that was like, wow, you can change the lens on your life and you get a different perspective. So when I'd always wanted to start a school and there were these activists and they started a food buying co-op together. And then somebody said, let's start a preschool. And we said, yeah, let's start a preschool. And so started in a park three afternoons a week. And anyway, those roots were roots of real activism, but deep questioning too. Do we have to do this all alone? So we had eating groups. So we had a different all of us would rotate houses and you never cooked with your own partner. You always cooked with somebody else. And we broke some of those isolation boundaries. And then 
we started to have children and then that became even more important than this preschool that then moved into garages and then the city tried to close us down and so that was a very vibrant period of activism. What were we fighting for? 24-hour universal quality childcare now. Of course, the city didn't like us. We didn't have a license. We were in garages. And that led to a big struggle. But it also led to really questioning. We did questioning, curiosity. Anyway, so my background has always been one of activism, questioning, no, I don't really accept that. No, I think there's another way of looking at that. And lots of pieces. And I then, after many years, started a program for teen mothers. And for 16 years, I ran a program as part of an adult school. And that was very influential to me. Here were these mostly had a lot of girls had been gang affiliated in some way or had a lot of violence in their lives. and. That really led to the clearer articulation of what I now call parenting with nonviolence and the, the strategic goal of breaking the cycle of violence in these young women's lives. And then I started an organization that was called the Center for Nonviolent Education and Parenting, a community-based nonprofit. I wanted to take this vision of nonviolence into a wider perspective. Marvelous organization, not only internally did we practice nonviolence, but in our work and that for many years, and then eventually retired. And now I still do my work, still my passion. I do this work in New Zealand. I do this work wherever I can go. And you know what gets me up every morning, Lacey? What gets me up every morning with the same passion is just listening to, to adults talk about their childhood. So many of us are really hurt. Mm. And then we bring that to our parenting. And we love our children dearly, but we have wounds. And it's not the one or two people. people. It's, it's, a, it's not an exaggeration to say mm. most of us have come out. And then for me, you know, along with many others, the statistic around the sexual violation of little girls has not changed in my lifetime. Really? And I'm turning 80. That's, <laughs> That's yeah. a lot of years. It's disgusting. It's unacceptable. And I don't believe, whether it be drugs, whether it be gang violence, domestic violence, sexual violation, violence, violence I don't believe any of it will, will make any profound changes until we actually drastically change the way we raise our children. Absolutely. I'm not looking for a band-aid. I'm looking for <laughs> profound questioning, profound questioning and profound activism of really changing the way we raise our children. Now that may somebody listening, well, I thought this was about parenting. That might that might sound very intimidating. <laughs> I don't mean it to be intimidating because that change is made up of every one of us who's working to do different, something different. It's using our voices in our homes with our own children, changing our practices, and then raising children who will also go out in the world and reflect the empowerment and their value system and their um, willingness to work towards change wherever they go. I'm not trying to say 
this is such a big thing. You know, you, what you do at home has nothing to, no, it's fundamental. It's fundamental to the change. So I, I'll just inject now. I have three children. They're not really children anymore. They're, they're in their 50s and they are, they have children. I have seven grandchildren. And what really is profoundly moving to me is learning to love was a struggle because I didn't want to repeat the, the practice. Of, I knew my parents loved me. I didn't want to repeat their practices of loving. I wanted to change that. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done was actually to love in the way I really want to love. I do want to add, I've always been part of a community of women, whether it be at the preschool, there were a village of women, whether it be at the teen program, creating, nurturing, support women around the teen mothers, whether it be in the nonprofit. I just think that's so fundamental that I, being an isolated parent is just such a painful burden to carry while you're parenting encouraging people and I know that's hard if you're a working single mom how do you do that and in finding ways to connect with a village and have a village of support around you chosen or biological or both but I would say that would be one of the tenets of trying to parent in this way it is it's especially hard I think in some ways as we maybe in our current generation where there's so much pressure to work for both parents and for moms to be seen as like this person who can do it all and not take any time to connect with other people who fill their cup and who they can share their struggles with. How can moms approach a community and feel out if it's a safe place to start trying to do things differently? Any tips? Every mom longs to love their children and sometimes things overpower that longing whether it be past wounds past stress present past stresses vulnerabilities and sometimes people hold on to the past in a way that comes out at times very judgmental and very disconnecting if you're somebody who's working to really do that differently so I'm trying to figure out, is there a, a radar, that something that goes <laughs> out? That, no, I think finding places of connection and finding people that the connection feels good to you. And when the connection doesn't feel right, there's a lovely saying, bless and release. If it, It's reinforcing things that you don't want to be reinforced or that are hurtful to you. Move on. and. When one is lonely and longing for support and longing to be part of a village and part of a community, it's hard to hold the intention of finding the people who really bolster you. And so I'm not minimizing it. And I, I really want to speak also to the working, working parents and the parents who really don't have the luxury of going to groups and with the library or the the, those lovely places that open storefronts, I don't know what you call play areas, but how do they find, and maybe there are people at work, parents at work that they can connect with, but yeah, it's not easy. 
Yeah. And I, I love this idea that you, while you're looking for your community as a mom, that it's okay to bless and release this idea that you try it out and see how it goes and giving ourselves permission to trust our intuition that this connection, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with it, but it just doesn't feel quite right. And it's not, it's not that safe place for me to explore all these ideas and that's okay. And maybe this friendship is a friendship where we go to the movies together and we go out to dinner, but we don't really talk about those parenting things, but to keep that radar there and listening inside of how good it feels to open up about the way that you're trying to make changes in your life and finding somebody somewhere who you can talk to about that. Treasure vulnerability, treasure vulnerability and vulnerability involves taking risks, isn't it? It involves. Yeah. What advice would you give to a mom who is actually struggling with wanting to make changes but her very immediate environment, maybe her partner, her adult siblings, or her parents are questioning her or judging her choices. Hard, very hard. Especially that we haven't had a lot of, well, let me just say, what the, par- the dominant paradigm I talk about is the, this sort of dominant way of thinking of power over the need to strategies of disciplining children and having them respect you and all kinds of ways of being that actually are hurtful. And when we start questioning, even start questioning this word discipline and replacing it with connection and being in relationship with and attaching to and having attunement with, it's like, for people who hold that dominant, you know, you're, you're going to be sorry, you know, you, you're spoiling that child's going to grow up and not respect you and all kinds of sayings, hurtful sayings. And it takes a lot to be able to say, I've really thought about this. And I know I'm making some different choices than you did as a parent. I'm appreciating that. Would, can I, would you be willing to hear me? Would you be willing to think here? how I'm thinking about this, what I'm, how the thoughts I've had about my own upbringing, the thoughts I've had about what loving could mean and how I see doing that differently. You're crazy. That's all I, you're crazy. You're going to be sorry. Or yeah, I would be willing. Alice Miller, that wonderful Austrian psychoanalyst and analyst who talked about that one of the most profound and scariest thing we can do is actually questioning the loving that we got as children because there's a commandment you have to honor and respect your parents and that doesn't that space doesn't allow for a lot of questioning and to reinterpret that for me is i honor that you loved me i honor that you truly did love me and you did the best you could And there are things now that I'm questioning and thinking of doing differently with my own child. Would this be a conversation you would like to have with me? Grumble, grumble, yes. And if no, then you you find the people you can have those conversations. And if you feel very alone, you write. Just spend five minutes a day writing about 
who you are and how you're thinking about this. Yeah. And of course, now there, there's all kinds of books and podcasts where you can, like this one, you find community and podcasts. You find validation for your choices. Absolutely. Yeah, it's kind of a blessing that the internet is here for us moms who sometimes feel alone. Mm -hmm. There is, there's so many opportunities to connect. Of course, you have to vet those yourself too and say, does this feel right? Questioning, this idea of questioning is so powerful. I think that it's one of the most powerful things that we can do. And it, it turns our lives into ones that feel really congruent if we can keep questioning. And so I would put I really in the word with questioning. I would put the word curiosity, like open, being curious and open to curious and open. And then the questions come. And then with our children, like reflection, like have, how was this day? Did it feel right? Were there things that felt didn't feel right? Were there things that I wish I could have done differently? Is there something there that I really need to repair? Repairing is fundamental to changing this paradigm. And the dominant paradigm was tough. That's how it was. Grin and bear it and you'll survive. And in this, our parents' parroting of nonviolence is very much about this reflective and then reflective process along with the repair process. And it's more than, I'm sorry, it's more than, I'm sorry. It's about putting that empathy, putting yourself in the shoes of how your child might have felt. And then it's also beyond that, owning, you know, that was about mom, that was about mommy's feelings. I'm so sorry, I didn't really hear you. Mommy was so stuck in her own world about her own feelings there that she wasn't able to listen to you was she that sort of vulner vulnerability of reflection and you mentioned that you run a support group yourself I do I have a support group every well it's the first and third Saturday mm -hmm. every month I have a, a mailing that people get notices. So if anybody's interested, they could email me. I will link to that in the show notes. I used to do it in person and during COVID, of course, it went online and now I keep it online. And it's just, a, it's one of those stable places. It, it's there. And, you know, it's a drop-in group and there's a $20 donation if people can pay it. And it's, People come when they need it, and when, when they don't, they, they don't, you know. So it's, I just like to hold the space. I'm just holding space. And if people are in L.A., you know, I, I often speak in preschools, you know, and they have parenting programs. I'm happy to take this work to people who, who may have programs like that. Amazing. And if a mom were to join your support group, what can she expect? Do you have a structure to it? Is it more like a circle kind of a thing? Um, well, on Zoom, <laughs> it's uh, you know, invite people, to, of course, to keep their cameras open if they can. And then people check in, you know, what, what's alive. If somebody hasn't been for a while, what got you here today? What's alive? Small check-ins. 
And then we come around again and people get to share if they choose to. And we sort of begin to see the interconnections between, oh, yeah, that sounds like what I'm talking about. And, and my, my role is I very much hold the philosophy of nonviolence, you know, so we don't wander off into other realms. And, uh, yeah, people find community and support. And then I'll put them on a mailing list that my friend Andrea does. And then every two weeks they get an email to say, and when I'm out of town, of course, it doesn't happen, but otherwise it does. Okay. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Ruth. Wow. Oh, I have really enjoyed our conversation, Ruth. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's inspiring to see the work that you've done and your life. And I'm going to grab you from a distance over here and I'm going to keep you as one of my mentors. I have this basket of people that I just, you know, I may or may not have ever met, but I just grab on to them and um, I'm going to add you there. So Well, thank you. And adding your voice and providing the links that people can connect to each other and have these conversations is a beautiful contribution that you're making too. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you.